grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, this is a Christian church. If, the, if that's like news to you, we've done a terrible job up to this point in the service. Like, whew, where am I right now? We are a Christian church, obviously. Uh, when it comes to Christianity, we tend to be very focused on what's often called the second member of the Trinity, God the Son, Jesus Christ, hence the name Christian, right? Our big holidays are Christmas and Easter, very Jesus-centric, right? When we pray, we maybe pray in Jesus' name. Um, our symbol is the cross, right? But we worship a triune God, the Trinity, oh, three persons, one God, that they are equal, though unique, and so we worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we get a little uh, so focused on Jesus that we kind of miss out on the other two. I actually find myself wishing that we had a, a church holiday that really celebrated God the Father, like celebrated creation. Uh, maybe we should adopt Earth Day and make that a church holiday. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, we do that with other holidays. Why not Earth Day, right? We could have worship outside in a park. We can let butterflies loose and ladybugs. We can plant trees. Just worship in God's creation. I may, I may try and pull that off. But this idea of God the Father, you know, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, the most mysterious member of the Trinity, uh, the one that truly is with us, when we say God be with us, we're not expecting Jesus to come in and sit in the second row, right? When we say God be with me, we're saying for the Holy Spirit, for that presence to be with us. Uh, and so today is Pentecost. It is basically the Holy Spirit's holiday. Now we kind of downplay it. We're not sending out postcards, you know, hey, uh, you're invited to our, our Pentecost service. Come on down, like we do with Christmas and Easter. But it's still important. We break out the red, right? I got my red Chuck Taylors on today. Uh, that's the, the color of the Holy Spirit, which then you kind of think like, oh, how often do we actually have red? That tells you something, right? I, I decided to wear my clerical collar today. You don't usually see this, but I love the symbolism of it. That it's this, this black, dark shirt showing the, the sin that I'm just a normal, sinful, broken person just like you. But then there's this white tab showing the light that is hopefully spoken through the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the symbolism of this shirt. Unfortunately, everything communicates, right? And so this look has kind of taken on different meaning in our modern age. I can't tell you how many times I've worn this and somebody says, hello, Father. And I'm always like, do I go along with it? Correct them that I'm just a pastor. Then they look at my wedding ring and they're really confused. Um, but, uh, but today is a day where we celebrate the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be here with us today. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Lord, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for the chance to worship in your presence with the Holy Spirit dwelling here among us. Lord, focus us on you. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message and as always, let it be your message. This isn't about me. Uh, move me out of the way. I submit myself to you, just as those early disciples did at the very beginning of the church. Speak through me. Let me be merely the vessel by which your Holy Spirit is at work. And I know that each of us need to hear different things, and I know, Lord, that you will speak to us in different ways. Be present. Let your truth be known. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, special welcome to those of you joining online, it is great to have you. 
Now, Pentecost is actually an Old Testament Jewish festival. Uh, within that, the, the Israelite religion, uh, the Jewish faith in which Jesus entered into, he was in the midst of that, uh, there were really three big feasts throughout the year. The first is very well known. It's Passover, right? This is the Feast of Exodus. They're celebrating that original Exodus, the, the slaves of, of Israelites leaving Egypt. Uh, that's what Jesus was celebrating uh, during Easter, Maundy Thursday. He was in the upper room celebrating the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is what it's often called. The next one, and the one that we're celebrating here at Pentecost, is the Feast of Weeks, W-E-E-K-S, the Feast of Weeks, um, sometimes just called Pentecost. Penta, meaning 50, oftentimes he will say, oh, it's 50 days after Easter, which is actually 50 days after Passover, but that's not actually true. Uh, within the, the Jewish tradition, Passover always falls kind of at the same time, roughly. But Pentecost is properly 50 days after the first harvest. It's all based on farming and, and the cycles of the earth. So really, when they harvest the first fruits, that usually it's wheat, right? When they harvest the first fruits, it's 50 days later, they would have what's called the Festival of Weeks. It was a chance for them to come together and bring those first fruits as an offering to God. The idea was, God, you have provided for us these first fruits. We are giving them to you because we're trusting that there will be second and third fruits. And it was a time of worship, a time of celebration, which I always find funny because in worship, I, I get people, especially newer Christians, commenting, you know, I really like worship, but the offering time, it always just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It feels like the church is asking for money. Um, but in this setting, the Jewish, all the way going all the way back, it was a celebration. It was a recognition God has provided for us, and we get to give back out of gratitude, right? And I've done enough home gardening. I'm far from a farmer, but I know the feeling of like nurturing a plant throughout winter and seeing just the sticks there, and you're trying to you know, fertilize it and make sure everything's good. And then you get those first leaves and the joy that you feel with that. And then like the little buds and the flowers, and you watch the little pollinators come, and you get your first fruit, and it's growing, and you're, you're checking, is it, is it ripe yet? And the thought of like snipping that off as soon as it gets ripe and going, God, this one's yours, and just giving it over to God, it like breaks my heart. But that's essentially what they're talking about, first fruits. Now, in our modern age of year-long direct deposit right into the bank, the idea of first fruits is kind of lost, but it's really, it's about trusting God that he will continue to provide, which then leads into the third festival that they would have celebrated called the Festival of the Tabernacles. Um, the, basically, this was the end of the harvest. This was their Thanksgiving, for lack of a better term, where they would come together and say, God, you provided us so much, this is tremendous right? And oftentimes for these festivals, the, the more devout Jews would come together to Jerusalem. It was kind of a pilgrimage. They didn't have to, but that was part of it. That's why you see in our reading it references the devout Jews, because these are the ones that traveled. They were, these are the ones that saw it fit for this pilgrimage. So that's what they're doing in Jerusalem for what we now know as Pentecost. They have come together, and uh, they're all making their sacrifice when, for lack of a better term, God shows up. It says that the Holy Spirit arrived and was like, a, like a, the sound of a mighty wind that filled the entire house. And that like tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit descended upon each of the disciples. And it's not the 12 disciples, by the way. There's probably like hundreds at this point um, that are there that says the tongues of fire descended on them. And so you have, you have wind, you have fire. Uh, all they need is a couple more planeteers and they got their magic rings and, you know, Captain Planet can appear. That is a reference for older millennials and younger Gen Xers. 
Uh, in the earlier service, the reference was, do you remember the your earth, wind, and fire? Some of you got that one. I've got other groups in here that you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. You really missed out on that Planet Tears, though. That was, that was a show back in the day. But basically what happens is the, these tongues of fire, the Spirit appears, and suddenly the disciples are speaking the language of everybody there. Like they had a reference that everybody would have understood in this particular sermon. And so they're, they're speaking in all the different languages. And actually we cut the reading. Uh, the reading was much longer. You're welcome, Ed. Um, but it did say this originally. And uh, how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues like the mighty works of God. And so all these different cultures were coming together and, and suddenly they were hearing what God was saying to them through these disciples. And I think that there are two things that we can really learn from this. Two things that stood out to me as I was kind of reading through it this time. The first is the power of God speaking to these people in their language. That's obvious, right? But what never really hit me was the fact that they're all together for this Jewish feast, right? And so even though they're from, if you look at a map of where all those places are, it's a very large, wide circle all the way from Asia into Africa, north and south, etc., they probably all would have had some language in common. Greek was the language of the day, thanks to Alexander the Great and his conquest. Pretty much everybody understood and spoke Greek. Um, and in addition, they're Jewish, so they could have been teaching in Hebrew. They would have almost for sure all learned Hebrew. And yet, it says that they were speaking their languages. And what hit me is, if you know somebody who is bilingual, right, the language they learn later in life Okay, they can carry on a conversation, but typically when they're home among family, they speak in their native language because it's, it's a little more intimate. You're allowed to have the more nuance. You, you understand it more. It speaks more to your heart, and that's what God is doing. Even though there was a language that they may have understood, he wanted them to know that he understood them. It wasn't just so that they would understand. It was so that they knew that they were understood. It was so that they knew that God knew their context, that God cared about them. It was creating more intimacy. It was being able to speak, truly speak into their situation. And that's true for us as well. God knows you. He knows your context. He knows the language of your heart. He knows who you are, and he reaches out to you. Now, it'd be wise for the church to remember this, to keep this in mind, because too often we undo Pentecost. See, Pentecost in many ways was, was the undoing of Babel, right? The Tower of Babel or Babel, depending on how you want to pronounce it, that, uh, that the people came together and they decided to build a monument and God saw how they were building this monument and literally said, I see that when humans are united, there is nothing that they can't accomplish. But the issue was that tower was for themselves. It was a tower of hubris. It was a monument unto themselves and their pride. They wanted to reach God. And so he scattered them. He spread out their languages. It would be as though you're, you're talking to your friend in English, and all of a sudden he says, hola, como estas? And you're like, parlez-vous français? And you're like, how did all of a sudden our languages all messed up? That's what God did. And suddenly they're scattered, and yet at 
Pentecost, they're brought back together. But our modern church, because we tend to lean into the idea of a niche or a niche, we tend to say, oh, this is my worship preference. This is what it looks like to be Lutheran. This is what it looks like to be part of this church. We're back to division. We're back to tribes. We're back to saying, well, you belong at this other church. We belong here. Now, that's not to say that preferences are good. It's, it's actually quite healthy to take the time to analyze, okay, this is what speaks to me. This is what I prefer. But always remember the difference between preference and doctrine. Between bias and saying, this is what speaks to me, and this is what is right or wrong. And far too often, we muddle those things together. And we say, well, this person does this in worship, and that's no good. Or, or they look like this and dress like this, and that's no good. Or they speak like this, and that's no good. It's like this. If I, if I asked you guys to, to communicate to a dear friend, to, to share some of your heart with them, and written communication, some of you would take out a piece of paper and write a very well-thought-out letter. But then others of you may take out your phone and text them. Include all the best emojis that you can. Maybe a GIF or two, right? Or maybe you'd Snapchat message them or whatever it is. And if I asked you to do the opposite, I would be willing to bet there were those who would prefer to send the Snapchat message who aren't super sure about where the return address goes on an envelope. And then vice versa, if I asked the folks in my early service, hey, can you do me a favor and text me your answer on this? Some of them would be like, I don't think my phone does that. What matters isn't whether you text or write a letter. What matters is the communication. And if we start to say there is a right way and a wrong way of doing this, then we are undoing Pentecost. We are undoing this message that God is providing for all people and speaking into all contexts. When it comes to church, there isn't the right way to talk, act, look, dress, vote, etc., it all comes down to the communication and connection with God. Don't let your preference become doctrine. This is something that, that we, the church, have to keep in mind. But there's a second thing that I think is so incredibly powerful that stood out to me as I was reading this. See, what's happening in the midst of Pentecost is this amazing double miracle. Really, it's a double miracle because you do have the disciples suddenly speaking other languages. That's kind of the part we focus on. But, like, as a kid, I always pictured, I don't know why, maybe you picture it this way, too, that, like, they all were speaking different languages, but, like, each one was only speaking one language, if that makes sense. Like, if you were in the room, you're like, all right, which one of you is speaking Egyptian? Where, oh, there you are. Let me, like, go over to the Egyptian corner, and, like, you're listening to the disciple that's suddenly speaking Egyptian. Like, so, for some reason, I just pictured everybody segmented off. Rather than they were kind of, like, speaking babbly book, and the people could hear it. That's the second miracle that's happening. Something so powerful is that something is being said and something is being heard and to some people in the room, they didn't hear it. Because what stood out to me is there were those in the room that said what? <laughs> These guys are drunk. They're drunk, they're wasted, they're not even making sense, which clearly tells me they weren't hearing anything, right? They're not even making sense, they're mocking it, they're making fun of it, right? Which Peter he's Peter, stands up and is like, no, 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 no. It's only the third hour of the day, which, by the way, is about 9 a.m., so we're a couple hours past that. So if you're drunk right now, you're, you're, you're past the third hour of the day, so you're better than the disciples. But he, he comes back and kind of gives a sarcastic retort, right? But what stood out to me is this powerful, amazing thing is happening. 
this miracle. And there are still those who want to mock it and tear it down. It's like this. I, I knew a, a young lady, she, high school into college. Uh, she was pretty tall, taller than me, which isn't really saying much. Um, and she, I would guess probably like 5'11", 6 foot, but it was hard to say because she had the worst posture of anybody I've ever seen. She was kind of hunched over, and uh, she actually went to the doctor, and they said, you know, you're going to have some serious issues if you don't get this corrected. She said that she'd spent her entire life trying to be shorter because she wanted to be shorter than her dates. She wanted to not be seen and, and always asked, oh, you play basketball? She was trying to be shorter. My friends, don't let the world shrink you. Don't let the world tell you that who you are is wrong. Don't let the world tell you that the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you are wrong and to be diminished. See, these people saw this amazing gift from the Holy Spirit, and because they were jealous, because they were angry, who knows why, they suddenly started to mock it and tear it down. And I'm sure some of the disciples felt shame and just stopped talking. Don't let the world silence you. Whether you are a woman who is drawn and has a natural personality towards leadership, or you're a man who has compassion and empathy and feelings, or you're young and you are wise beyond your years, or you're old and you have creative new ideas constantly, don't let the world put you in a box and tell you that you can't do this because of that or because of this. Don't let the world shrink you. Don't let the world silence the Holy Spirit's gifts. Now, with that comes knowing that it's the Holy Spirit's gifts, right? Last week, we talked about the power of humility. And when you start to say, oh, well, I know what to say. I'm, my gift is that I'm always right, and I'm willing to tell anybody that. My gift is that I'm loud and brash and can be offensive, but I'm always right. Maybe you're building a little Tower of Babel inside yourself, right? But if you are trusting in the Holy Spirit, if you are letting his gift shine through, if you are saying, God, speak in this moment. Use my skills, my gifts, my talents in this moment. If it is about God and not about you, then be loud. Be bold. Stand tall. Don't let the world shrink you down. Be who God made you to be. That's one of the messages of Pentecost is God saying, you speak this language, you're from this culture, you're worthy. You're valid. You are part of my children, and I love you. You're taller than all of your dates you've ever had, I love you. You find yourself seeing the best and most efficient way to do things, but you feel like you have to silence it because people are going to judge you? No, I put that in you. I gave you that gift. You look at people and your heart breaks for them, but you know, to be a man means to be hard and tough and to not cry. No, I gave you that gift. Don't let the world shrink you. Don't let the world silence the voice of the Holy Spirit coming from you. We, the church, do this far too often. We say, oh, if you're going to be part of the church, you have to look like this, talk like this act like this, dress like this, vote like this. You have to be all these things. You have to conform to what we say. Throughout the history of Christianity, we have entered into unique and powerful cultures and said, oh, that's nice. No, you're not going to be that anymore. We're going to show you the right way to be so that you're not savage. God speaks to the ones that the church far too often calls savage. 
God cares and empowers. Don't let the world shrink you. And if it's the church doing it, I apologize. If it's the church taking away your voice, I'm sorry. I pray that we never do that. But know that God isn't. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. Maybe others don't hear it. Maybe others don't understand it. Maybe you are unique in that moment. That's what happened on Pentecost. Listen when God speaks to you and be bold to share it. See, we as Christians are broken people. We as Christians, as human beings, walked in that door with sin, with brokenness in our lives. And the only thing that we really have in common is that we are redeemed through Jesus Christ. That's what we have in common. That we are forgiven by God's grace. And that we are his beloved children. So let's go forth, letting the world know about the power of the Holy Spirit, not hiding it, not shrinking it, not making it quieter. Letting the world know about the power of the gospel and of grace, of the forgiveness that is found in Christ not standing behind the law that the world may tell us that's what the church is supposed to look like. No, bursting forth like Jesus Christ and standing and saying, you are loved, you are forgiven, you belong to God in spite of your sin. That is the message that we are called to share. God made you who you are. Speak it in the way that the Holy Spirit is inspiring. Let's trust in him. Let's celebrate the Holy Spirit. Amen.